Hey guys, are you a fan of sausage, beer, and polka? Or maybe just beer? Come to Oktoberfest Zinzinati. This September 17th, we'll be in Cincinnati, and you can roam the streets with the Have a Drink crew. Come, see the sights, eat the getta, drink the beer. We'll be there around 10.30 a.m. at the main stage for the keg tapping and to see Jim Cook live the life we wish we could. Contact us if you plan to be there so we can keep a lookout for you. Well, the beer gods must be crazy, because there's a lot of them, and they're drunk. Seriously, it seems every culture that came up with alcohol decided they needed to have some sort of deity of getting riggedy wrecked. Today we're going to scour the pantheons for the best parties, and to see who likes to throw down. So come in and have a drink. to have a drink the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier and i'm christopher walker hey guys hello hey so what have you uh, been up to uh working uh <laughs> regular jobs are weird guys uh Indeed i've been out are. of that for a while so it's it's been all my life has been lately yeah welcome well i can't say really welcome to our world because I work the worst hours on the planet. I mean, I don't know. You could work like three hours in the middle of the night, two hours like at noon, and then like four hours, 30 seconds, you know, 30 minutes after that. True. True. Oh. There's no winning. We never yeah. got to bring it up earlier. Other thing, uh, last night, free Rev concert. Oh, that's right. I remember seeing pictures from that. Down at Fountain pictures. Square. They're finally back stateside after being in Europe, and they seemed really tired. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've if you've been around Europe, carrying around a pickle bucket like that, you're going to get in a, in a washboard. You're going to get tired. Did, uh, you know, there's a chance not everyone knows that we're talking about Reverend Peyton's big damn band. Yes. Wonderful uh, band from Indiana. And... Uh, the man challenges Chris and Beard. No, no, he doesn't challenge. He beats me. He, he wins. wins. Oh. His is immaculately like groomed. Yes, he, it is. His, his is very well groomed. And this oh. is the first time we've seen him since he's lost the weight and become ripped out of his mind. Oh my god, yeah. Like, if he was carrying anything, it was it was all of them plus all their gear throughout all of they, Europe. <laughs> throughout, he, they, did, they backpacked through Europe, and by backpacked, I mean they put a a, like, some sort of saddle on him. They rode him and 
Breezy was just riding him. Yeah, it's all it's all the arms. Like he's just yeah, he's busting out of stuff. He was just it's holding a, the guitar with if, the like harmonica harmonica strap on, just cruising down the road. Yeah. If you're curious about them, go look them up. It's a three person band that involves a washboard player, a drummer with a pickle bucket drum. Well, he's got more, but that's part of his drum kit. And uh and then the Reverend himself who plays uh an he amazing out slide guitars guitar. no less than four times last night. He what? Swapped out guitars no less than four times. Uh, I mean, jeez. <laughs> and he got out the they, cigar they, box guitar. Yeah. Well, they have no bassist, so he's got to do it all himself. No, they have a bassist. Guitar. It's they a have bass a bassist now? It's his thumb. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. His thumb plays bass while the rest of him plays plays everything else. He's They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. If you it's, like... it's a really fun, upbeat blues band. Yeah, you got folk and blues. That's yeah. really the genre they fall into. Yeah, With a whole lot of time. don't care what you think. That's, yeah. yeah. Just fun songs. And, and you know, the, you, you still get the same. If you've seen them before, you still get the same fun. Te- like, that that washboard's still getting satellite. Yeah, it's always <laughs> Flaming always washboard solos. She sets the washboard on fire. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, when you're, when you're a washboard player, you just hope to channel Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> That's what she just Hendrix that thing. She'll set it on fire and play it and then smashes it on the stage. It's... It's glorious. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think we first saw them at a Flogging Molly concert. Yeah, that, no, that tour was like their. It was their opening deal. Yeah, yeah that was the first thing because uh, that was their first sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and, because and, like, what's his name from Flogging Molly? Uh, they were playing at a big folk festival somewhere here stateside, and we're just you know checking out all the other acts, and then they saw Rev playing, and he he fell in love. <laughs> he said, "No, you're opening on our next U.S. tour." And, and he got he got the slot of good openers at uh, Flogging Molly shows, which is just before them. Yeah, <laughs> when they're headlining, their second act is always is always pretty solid. That was yep. that, that was one not, of the best. Not shows. so much the first one. No, no, I think it's always the case though. But yeah, and to to tie it back to drinking, there were as soon as we walked outside last night because we walked <laughs> to Fountain Square to watch this free performance that was amazing, but. I I immediately started sweating because it was so humid, and we get there and I see people with drinks everywhere and I'm like, you guys are insane! <laughs> like, how are you drinking when it feels like Florida? I mean, how do they drink in Florida? I don't know. I don't understand uh, how people who are just drinking around Epcot, for example, just don't die. So we won't go to Florida unless it's like September or later. So uh, we have a new plan uh, from from reports I've heard in the field. Uh, if they do a create con from uh, for for a move TV, if they do that again at some point, we need to go because we need to go drink around Epcot. Yeah, we're gonna that... have to save like all the money ever. That's saying, fine. No. At the end of Night Attack, they were going on about the final cost, and I'm like, that is not true because I can tell you from experience, it is like twelve dollars a beer in Epcot. It is dumb. They knew people. They had to have. Yeah. Uh, but that's that seemed like a thing. I saw that and I was like, God, I wish I was there to. First of all, I want to drink around Epcot. Period. Yeah, we thought uh, we were. I've never that, been no. in Epcot at all. Oh, so we thought we were going to on our honeymoon, and then it was like you get two countries in, you're like, This is no. how much? <laughs> you're like, This is how? I, like, no, I don't have. It's that or eat. <laughs> I mean, who needs to eat when you can come? When you can come in, catch the the fireworks in uh. <laughs> Uh, from from England, and 
get like three rounds before last call. To be fair, we had the <laughs> ultimate uh, British experience walking in to England. I loved that. As soon as we crossed from Canada, it started pouring the rain. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like England. And we're like, no, wow, Disney go, they go far. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, bringing the climate and everything suddenly it's chilly and wet I'm like man i bet i bet you look over to the other side of epcot and it's like oh man why is it so sunny and warm over there oh they're in mexico <laughs> no that, that's what it was we came in uh we did it clockwise so we came in through mexico hot sunny just like god off we're like oh let's get out of the sun for a while by the time we made it over walking into uh england Suddenly, just a downpour, and it's like, oh, well, we're going to run in here and watch little kids get their picture taken with Mary Poppins. Really? Okay. I see. I was wondering what they had for the rest of the family that wasn't drinking at Epcot. Uh, Beatles merchandise and Mary Poppins. That, that is all of UK, yeah. Okay. Oh, at, at, for the UK, yes. I was going to say, like, maybe it'd be weird if they were selling Beatles merchandise and, you know... Uh, actually, it'd be less weird if they were selling it in Germany than you would initially think, but yeah. anyway... <laughs> That's where they got their start. Anyway, Disney we're, not, we're not a Beatles podcast. Although, could we be? Can we start a Beatles? <laughs> no, no, because no. if you go back to the okay. Pulp Fiction thing where there's two types of people, Beatles or Elvis, I'm more of an Elvis guy. I mean, I, I say why choose? I enjoy both. <laughs> this is true. I do not hate on the All Beatles, right. but okay. We should, uh, we should move into some of this news. Okay. We've stalled long enough. Okay, first story from Draft, and this is actually something we noticed when we went out looking on shelves uh, this past week. Brewers struggle to find pumpkin for this year's fall brews. Brittany, where do you where did you put it? It's all in the closet somehow. <laughs> oh, I, I'm almost positive all of the pumpkin is somehow with you. She took it all. I, I can't even find it. <laughs> Uh, depending on your preference for pumpkin beers, this news is either a bummer or a blessing. Some brewers this year are struggling to source pumpkin puree for their fall pumpkin beers. Perhaps you remember the great pumpkin shortage of 2015 just last year. I think we actually ran a story on that. I believe so. It was an issue, and who would have thought it happened again? Well, it didn't have catastrophic effects for our autumn, autumnal? Autumnal. 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 Yeah. Okay. Beers or Thanksgiving pies last year, it may have a lingering effect on pumpkin availability in 2016. If brewers didn't get their orders in early, many are finding that suppliers have no more gourds left to sell. So, I mean, you think they should plan ahead more, I guess. Uh, yeah, but if, there's... You, if you were short one year, like, it's farming. I, I know, like, oh, they'll just grow more, but there's a finite amount of stuff you can space you'll have for especially for like pumpkins yeah what's funny to me is that uh, so many beer snobs go on about the pumpkin like oh pumpkin beer can't wait till this is over or whatever, you know something along those lines and yet clearly there's a demand because yeah. everybody feels the need to not only get a, a ton of it done but in earlier and earlier yeah the well seasonal creep. because th those people are balanced by by britney's pumpkin all the things <laughs> uh yeah Everybody else's too. <laughs> now, seasonal creep this year really kicked in because, um, what, the first Oktoberfest was reported out last month? Well, Christmas is starting, like, Christmas season is starting, like, the week after next, so we gotta <laughs> yeah. get the, the fall season started now. You didn't, know, right. you didn't know Halloween was next week now? The seasonal creep is big, and when we went out, when it came for pumpkin beers, 
what all did we see? Dallas Point already had theirs out. Which um, we've had. Um, yeah, uh, Pumpkin Down, delicious. It's oh a my. Scottish oh. ale, by the way. Pumpkin Down. Pumpkin Down. <laughs> and um, uh, Ichabod Sam- from New Holland. And, and then uh, we saw a weird Samuel Adams one that's new this year, which is pumpkin-y. Um, no, that was out last year, too. We just didn't get to try oh, it. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the- no, a, a ton of them are out, though. Is that like the they put one ton of pumpkin into a bottle? Yeah, the, was the twenty pounds of pumpkin is the name of it. Twenty pounds of pumpkin in every barrel. I feel like that's where all the pumpkin went. Yeah, <laughs> Sam, Adams. Sam Adams yeah. took it all. Boston Beer bought it all before anyone else could. Boston Beer bought fifty percent, and the other fifty percent is somewhere in your house. Start looking at the ceiling. Mm, yeah, and oh, that's true. Boston Beer speak uh, along with Boston. <laughs> the, yeah, Sorry, that part's the, the, true that's too. true. I was like, see. I knew I was right. <laughs> Suddenly a pumpkin just falls out of nowhere. Um, no, the the Boston Beer thing, I, I also saw the Traveler Pumpkin Shandy, which is still from Boston Brewing. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Jacko Traveler. Which is actually tasty. Um, oh, it's so good. The story gives us a nice little account from a small brewer in Nebraska about, oh, yeah, we went to buy our puree, and guess what? They didn't have any for us. I, I like how it got resolved for nebraska brewing because the the quote here is we ended up fine we did end up finding a supplier but not until after a few years were dropped off my lifespan trying to figure things out (laughs) uh they bought enough for maybe the first two batches and then went back to buy more uh being good disciples of the just-in-time inventory and were told they were out uh they had to brew wick for brains apparently is there their thing nice. uh, five times this year so you can see the panic that set in my guess is it's going to be an issue across the board yeah yeah <laughs> i can imagine it um it's basically whoever didn't jump with this seasonal creep to get it out earlier they're gonna have problems getting a hold of it uh one of our local ones that we're all in on they don't use pumpkin puree so it's not a huge issue they just throw the like can, they just use the like pumpkin pie spices and things yeah so uh, I was I was actually about to say like either spice or you know they they take up some sort of pumpkin candle and just toss it in there and go good enough. <laughs> they they use some amount of real pumpkin for pumpkin. Oh, they do. I think so. I came really close to buying some pumpkin beer today. I joke that you know that about Brittany's love of pumpkin, but uh, a good pumpkin beer I do enjoy. And they had uh, what was the one I told you? Uh, pump kick. Oh right, yeah. Oh um, yeah. We we've seen that. At, um, gosh, New Belgium. New Belgium. Yeah. We'll I, I went buying beer for today's show, and I saw Pump Kick, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy that. But first, let me finish picking up everything else, because I don't want to have to reach higher than I have to until that time comes, because I'm mm. lazy. Mm. And like, <laughs> I load down my little six-pack. I get I get the the a six-pack of something. We'll talk about that later. And, uh, and then I walk to check out. I get in my car, and I'm halfway home before I go, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> we will pump Kick to- is back there. We'll get to suckle the pump kick straight from the teat in uh, just a few weeks. Oh yeah, it should be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, you will. Uh, th- no teats for me. <laughs> we'll bring we'll bring teats back. Don't worry. <laughs> no, even though a lot, my of, life. a lot of the places we're going is like we can get them, get the beers here. I'm more excited about going to get it like the fresh stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And something different. Like I'm I'm hoping a lot of them do the same thing that Mad Tree does, where it's one thing to have it out in distribution. It's another to, like, 
Oh, hey, remember that beer that we do? Here's a, something really weird that we try to do with it here on tap. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, Braxton does that. Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. Your, there's your Braxton reference for the day. Yeah. Um, they, they do stuff like that. They're like, cause they distribute sort of like their Storm and some of the, you know, Dead Blow and the regular stuff like that. Yeah. But then they do special, special releases inside their tap house. So. Mm. Right. Yeah, but uh, what they're seeing with the pumpkin puree from the shortages last year is just going to make this year's harder. And the suppliers, they're just going to sell out to whoever comes first. If you're listening, beer uh, uh, brewers. I don't know what I was going to try to call them. Uh, if you're listening, brewers, order now. Yeah. For next order year. for next yeah. year. Well, that's how now. this whole article ends with uh, this year. This will be two rough harvests in a row for pumpkin. Because that's what's caused the issue is pumpkin yeah. harvests were not what they were expecting yield-wise. Because it it's been so freaking hot. It's just hot and dry, and it has just annihilated all the pumpkin crop. So it's getting, it's getting warmer in the world. How could that? <laughs> I feel like I feel like we were told ten years ago that this could be a possibility. Global warming, or none like it hot. <laughs> Global wapa. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. I so said with another tough pumpkin harvest this year on the East Coast farms, uh, 2017 could bring an even tighter gourd market. So next year it could be even worse. That you're probably going to see a big pullback of pumpkin beers next year. I like to picture some, like, tired pumpkin. Yeah, and it's, it's a bad image for what farmers are because they, they don't all look like this anymore. But just some old man, his overall is, like, taking out of the handkerchief, wiping down his bald head as he goes, pumpkin harvest hard this year. <laughs> Even harder last year. Yeah. Be harder next year, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, move on to the next story, which was a really weird one. Uh, we reported on this a while back. Uh, Devil's Backbone, very popular out of Virginia. Uh, they got bought out by Anheuser-Busch, AB and Bev. Like you do. It's yeah. and what happens anymore. They have apparently been feeling the community backlash on this now. Uh, the headline reads, Amid deal with Anheuser-Busch, Craft Brewery gets kicked out of its own festival. Which is essential. Well, they didn't get kicked out, but they just can't compete. Right. They hold the festival just outside their their brewing facility. Yeah, they host it. Yeah. Uh, next weekend, representatives of eighty five breweries from across Virginia will gather in the fields surrounding Devil's Backbone Base Camp Brew Pub in Roseland, Virginia, for the fifth Virginia Craft Brewers Fest. They'll be joined by a crowd of three thousand beer lovers, some of whom will be camping and even glamping. Nope, take that word out. Let's pretend we never said that. I refuse to acknowledge that. If you glamp, then you need to go into the camps. 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 Uh, in the you adjacent, know what kind of camps we mean. <laughs> in the adjacent meadows. Uh, three sheets to the wind, a yacht rock cover band will perform. See, this Wait. thing's already shaping up with something I would not want to go to. Okay, I'm confused by that sentence. Is it a cover band that performs yacht rock and what is yacht rock or yacht is it rock. a rock cover band that performs exclusively on yachts they are the yacht rock cover band being like yacht rock is a genre i'm looking this up no it How is a definite rich genre do you have to be to have to have a genre called yacht rock it's like 
um, it's a lot of mid '80s to early '90s kind of uh, easy listening stuff. It's the the kind of people that own yachts. Try and imagine what music they listen to. That's it. Uh, do they listen? To, I'm trying to think how one of their songs would go. Is go I'm going to give you a hint. Texas it, got three daughters. It's no? a lot more of the uh, more rock stuff, more rock side of like Hollow Notes, that kind of stuff. It was also a show. I mean, if it was actually Hollow Notes, I'd be much more interested. <laughs> well, we all would. But anyway, that's a that's a tangent there. Uh, the event has come a long way since 2012. This is talking about it growing up. Yeah, uh, thanks to Devil's Backbone, it was turned from a tiny little thing into a big thing. Uh, 2016 is a transitional year for the festival. This will be the first time it won't won't include the announcement of the winners of the Virginia Craft Beer Cup, which has grown to award in 30 categories. This will be the last time the festival will be held at Devil's Backbone in the shadow of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and for the first time, the brewery that helped found the festival and host it won't be eligible for any awards. So so they're having a festival and they're not announcing the winners of the beer competition in it? Or they're holding the competition somewhere other than the festival? This is the last year. No, it's all going to still be there, but they're not going to announce the winners there. That feels like it's a little bit. That's odd. I don't know what that is. That's an extra step of petty, I feel like. Yeah, and the plot thickens. Uh, That's because on April 12th, Devil's Backbone, Virginia's largest and most decorated brewery, announced it was being acquired by Anheuser-Busch, the parent company of Budweiser, for an undisclosed sum. The backlash was immediate on the brewery's Facebook page and in online beer forums. Former fans posted screeds accusing the brewery of selling out and swearing they would never buy another Vienna Lager. That's the beer that they're known for. I've had it. It is very good. Apparently those were the nicer uh, nicer posts. Yeah, they put those were the nicer ones. Uh, the Vienna Lager had some uh, – it was last year before they got bought out. And I enjoyed it and was going to start looking for it. And then they got bought out. And now I've still not seen it anywhere. <laughs> I'm you would wondering. think it would go to more places. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, what's been the benefit of selling if no one can find the beer still? Mm. Uh, there was a fallout on the corporate side, too. Devil's Backbone founder Steve Crandall resigned from the board of directors of the Brewers Association. He was on the board of the National Brewers Association and was essentially kicked off because you can bet he didn't walk away from that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's a national trade organization representing craft breweries. The Brewers Association defines a craft brewery as small, independent, and traditional, and breweries purchased by the world's largest brewer obviously don't fit that bill. Devil's Backbone was removed from the prestigious Savor Craft Beer Festival, an event organized by the Brewers Association, even though it had been a paid sponsor. What if a brewery was small, independent, and innovative, and they started making, like, crazy beers, like, that were still technically beer, but they were clear? You know, the Crystal Pepsi of beer. Would they be considered craft? I mean, yeah, it's, as long as they have the definition clearly set, as we, you know, talk about now a lot. And I know. I, I just meant, like, their their definition of being small, independent, and traditional. And so I was like, mm. what if they're not traditional? What if they're just doing weird stuff? There are brewers out there doing that that I guess are still technically brewers. Well, that's the thing. It, it also, remember, is defined by the amount yeah. made. 
So yeah. I would think they would still qualify, but but they're sure. owned by a larger entity now, and that's what. Yeah. yeah, I know why Devil's Backbone's not. I was just like, I wanted to like dig into that just that one line because I'm like, okay, yeah. if we're gonna be really pedantic about the definition of craft, let's. Right. Um, it's a bit much. Okay, uh, this goes on after the May meeting of the Virginia Craft Brewers Guild. The group issued a statement reaffirming that VCBG membership is available to independent craft breweries as defined by the Brewers Association with similar requirements for the entry in the Virginia Craft Beer Cup competition. The Guild also decided that the Virginia Craft Brewers Fest would move to a still undetermined location in 2017. Well, if okay, so if the, if the guidelines of the event itself do, do state something like that, where it has they have to be independent, for example, then I can kind of see them getting butthurt. Yeah, well, that's and fair. So basically, what it means is Devil's Backbone gets to throw one one last big party, yeah. and can't can't compete. So they had to feel they had the this little thing translation. Devil's Backbone could hold. This is basically the what it comes down to. Devil's Backbone could hold, host one last party, but would not be allowed to compete for the craft beer cup. I have a quote from them. I'll be lying if I said we weren't really terribly disappointed by that says Hayes Humphreys, the brewery's chief operating officer. Uh, compounding the problem from Devil's Backbone's side, the deal with Anheuser-Busch is not yet final, so it technically remains a craft brewery. But Ouch. when you sell out, like, they've announced, they're like, oh, yeah, we are, we are accepting their offer of an undisclosed sum of money, but you can bet. <laughs> of, of much gold. Yeah. Of uh, more zeros than anyone could even, you know, calculate, I'm sure. But when they're like, oh, no, we're going to sell a bit of our souls right here for all this cash, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah. Did they, they think they, they were going to... get a lot of cash. I think that's what they thought was going to happen. But what... They couldn't have expected to remain respected members of this community knowing exactly how the community feels about the company they are selling to. Yeah. I think... I want to think that what they were hoping was that, that the quality of their beer would stand for itself regardless of whether someone would consider it craft or not. That they would still think of it as, as a good beer and that people wouldn't be upset. And I can understand it not being allowed to compete in the craft beer cup. That's That you know makes sense. It's, it's not technically craft, although since the deal's not final, they're still technically craft right now. Um, hmm. But, you know... I, I don't see why they couldn't let them keep hosting it if they could get anything out of it. But yeah, I could see letting them host and not compete. That's I just feel like they're the 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 Brewers Association's being a little bit overly vindictive about it. Yeah, but, but having them host and not compete would would be fine to keep doing that because that you yeah. see a lot of places do that anyway if they're going to host the event because there's an obvious bias there since they're the one putting up the space and supplies to do this yeah. that they just go, you know what, for funsies, we're going to put a lot of art, like some special stuff out, try some of our stuff too. It's not going to be up for judging, but go ahead and give us a shot. Yeah, and they, they do mention here that they are... Uh, doing the award ceremony in a at a private event at the corporate offices of West Rock in Richmond. Apparently, West Rock makes cardboard six-pack holders for many Virginia breweries, including Devil's Back, Backbone. Hmm. So they're only getting like 300 people in there 
for next year they're going to look at a place to make it public again. Yeah, there's some backhanded stuff going on with this and being very childish. But at the same time, they have another nice quote here that, yeah, they should have expected this. Uh, Devil's Backbone knew there would be repercussions, uh, but when a small brewer sells to a large company, they choose to willingly and should expect their position in the brewing community to change and customer relationships to change. And that was from Julia Hares of the Brewers Association. Yeah, and I get it. It's just like there's there's that part of me that's just that that I a part of me doesn't care, especially how craft something is. Like uh, Breckenridge, they they sold out recently. Yeah, um, I still love Breckenridge uh, uh, Vanilla Porter. Well, like, I mean, look at Goose, Goose Island. They still make Goose really Island good still beer. makes still makes good beer. Can't stop it from being infected. But um. <laughs> I said no. They still put out. That's still one of my things that I like to bring up is that everyone will give a lot of these companies so much crap, including myself, even Goose Island, about all their other beers all the year round. Oh, what about this? This. But when it's time for the Bourbon County, <laughs> everyone just shuts up. It's like, oh, you you guys are the best. Let me let me give you some back rubs. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> That stuff still, when I went to my liquor store, of which didn't have any, they just kind of laughed at me like, we sold out in 12 minutes. Yeah. but And that's when you go, oh, but no one else will buy any of their other beers hardly because they sold out. Right. It's, I don't know. I, I get wanting to, 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 to favor the little guy and... and part of me, though, is just like, as, as a consumer, I just want what I, what I enjoy. Like and I'll try a whole lot of new and different things, and I'll find smaller craft, uh, craft beers. Like I want to go out and find new stuff. But at the end of the day, like it, you know, I want what I like. I, you know, yeah. whether it's craft or not isn't isn't a deal breaker for me. I guess. Right. If if Budweiser tasted amazing, as opposed to you know, as opposed to if the, they like, made an imperial to, like, Budweiser. Yeah. Then, then I would be like, "Yeah, man, this stuff is the bee's knees," but it's not, so I don't like it. <laughs> but if Budweiser put out an Imperial Stout, you bet your ass I'd be out buying it. I would I'd be try it. I, yeah, I'd have to find out what that tasted like, and if it was good, I'd probably keep buying it. Yeah, if it was, if it was, if it was really good and available everywhere, yeah, no, I'd, I'd buy it because I know I'd be able to get it. Yeah. Um. That's the problem. That, that's the problem with doing some of the craft stuff is that you only certain regions can find it. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, I, uh, ranty tangent over. I guess. Yeah, we, we've beat that horse sufficiently. Let's move on to something that is awesome. Uh, our how, last story. How awesome? Stone Brewing plans a ninety-nine room hotel. Okay, that's pretty awesome. I'm looking at a picture now. I think someone just sort of like they put a design logo on a existing hotel and was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a really good rendering. The, I guess. Yeah, the artist renderings are getting kind of crazy. Uh, Stone Brewing announced a 99 room boutique hotel Thursday tied to its Escondido. 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 Okay. Escondido. Escondido. Brewery and restaurant. But with the caveat that it's about more than beer. Don't you lie to me, Stone. 
You're about beer and nothing else. It is believed to be the first of its kind. A group, a ground-up ground property up. linked... I can't talk. <laughs> links to a popular brand and the craft beer movement. Stone founder Greg Cook said the $26 million four-story building at 1990 Citricado Parkway will be developed under a license to a new hotel entity, Untitled Hospitality, in partnership with Macmillan. I was like, wait, was that right? Yeah. Like the publishing company? (laughs) No, I was in the Untitled Hospitality. Wait, what? Yeah, Untitled. (laughs) That's a horrible name. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to book at the Untitled Hotel. Um, what, What are they called? It's untitled. I don't know if there's another name or... No. Okay, this joke's not landing. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> it's an offshoot of the Corky McMillan Company. As Sorry, knows. Corky's a funny name. It is. It's an environmental <laughs> experience, a culinary experience, and a cultural experience, Cook said of the project's vision. It's not really beer-themed. You won't come in and experience flow, experience flowing rivers of beer or hop oh, motifs all over the place. Well, I'm already See, not interested. All of a sudden, less. There went all the less fun. Feeling. I was expecting like beer baths, beer gardens, not like German-style beer gardens. That's no, yeah. no places places where they are like growing hops, and then next to it, you can just sit there and drink while you watch the hops grow. Exactly. I want it to be a beer amusement park. The Lazy Beer River. Come uh, on. It does say like, that there's a st- the, the Stone Bistro, which I have to imagine they might be cooking with the beer. Hey, like, can you imagine like a small little water park in there with like a, a, you know, some sort of like slide or, you know, maybe like a log ride in an amusement park, but like it's a river of beer. <laughs> you're standing at that bridge where you're obviously going to get splashed, just opening your mouth going... Drink me, Xerxes. Uh, the article goes on. They're just going on about San Diego County, and they're just gloating about the amount of craft breweries they have and how much money that brings in, and talking about how the tourism authority is like, oh, they're making all these breweries their cornerstone right now, uh, and say, in fact, San Diego was named one of the best beer towns in America by Men's Journal. And hmm. cited as sunny haven for suds lovers by the New York Times. Did you see the picture over here? I swear it looks like one of the lodges of Snowbird. It's crazy it looking. Yeah. Yeah, they, it looks amazing. And when this is finished, you better believe we're going out there for a weekend. It says 10,000 square foot roof garden. Yeah, no, I saw that on that thing. I was like, is that a garden up on the roof? The roof? This looks great. Just picture like it's clearly going to be non-smoking out there because you don't want the <laughs> roof, the roof, the roof to be on fire. Indeed, you do not. Uh, you're going to discover something unexpected, and I want it to be Easter eggs everywhere," said veteran hotelier Robert Cartwright, who's job, newly established, hotelier. who's newly established Untitled Hospitality. Oh, we know who did that. <laughs> will own and operate the property. He said, "Small surprise touches could include growler cabinets." for storing oversized bottles of beer in a yes. guest room, stone brewing commissioned bars of soap in bathrooms, and upon registering at the front desk, a complimentary glass of stone beer brewed only for the hotel. This is amazing. Hello? This went okay. from like you, mediocre to awesome. You 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 lost me a little bit in the middle, but you're you're yeah. bringing me back. So, we've discovered where the uh, 10th anniversary for Nerdtacular should be. 
Yeah, yeah they'll I all fly know. out to San Diego. Just saying. <laughs> I don't think the hotel is going to be built in time. The rooms are being designed to be about 50% bigger than typical hotel guest rooms based on projections that two or more people will often occupy each room. Maybe maybe they'll have a weird bathroom window. (laughs) So you can look into your room while sitting on the toilet. (laughs) Maybe you really wanted to watch TV (laughs) and and drop a deuce. Also, rather than the usual sliding glass door, a floor-to-ceiling window system will flip open to increase the access to each balcony. I feel like that's going to end up with someone getting hit because they're drunk and they're going to die. Yeah, that sounds like there's going to be accidents and doors being shattered. In fairness, I think there's still accidents and doors being shattered on regular sliding glass doors. (laughs) Drunk people find a way. Um, (laughs) Drunk finds a way. I like the the thing at the end. Um, The... Oh, where is it? The hotel library might be stocked with beer-related books and magazines. <laughs> that would hmm. be awesome. I mean, that's kind of what they already went for in Germany because it's that's one of the shticks there is that it's the brewery and tap room they open there. The tap rooms can it's a library. So oh yeah, ninety nine count coincidentally brings to mind yeah their their hotel library ninety nine count room yeah that's okay. kind of wonderful oh god. I'd... I'm picturing that scene from Beer Fest right now when I hear 99 bottles of beer, and I'm just like, we're drinking, we're singing drinking songs of our country, and you bring that in here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Cook has mentioned, like, they're, they're, they're involved, but it's not, like... Yeah, they're, they're involved hope. with this, but as was said, they will not own, they will not operate. They're just basically, it seems, licensing... As uh, Cook says, we're really more geared towards our main focus, which, of course, is brewing. So, yeah, that's kind of where I want them to stay, making awesome beer. And they could just be like, oh, yeah, you can use our logo on some stuff, and we'll we'll make a special beer for this hotel. And whenever I I think of Stone now, I just think of the weird trip I've made over the last year from not liking IPAs to... Whenever I see stone, just like, let's grab one of these. Let's try this out. You see you stone got? and you go, it's going to be something good. <laughs> you start skipping. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, I don't know. That's that's true, though. I mean, that, that's that been one of the brands that's really helped us get along with that. Yeah, and like they've got a good brand and their their <laughs> their logo is great. Like, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, like, if you necessarily, you know, bringing kids along, looking up. Why is there a big demon man there? <laughs> Don't ask questions, honey. Daddy's getting drunk. He's here to protect us. Okay, since Daddy's getting drunk, we need to go ahead and move this thing right along. Let's get into Untapped. All right. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son! All right. First badge uh, is one I actually was going to try for, but I can't find this in single bottles yet, and I'm not going to commit to a six-pack because I have commitment issues. Um... <laughs> As the married man. Yeah, it's like, what? I have commitment issues when it comes to beer, okay? Uh, sea oh. Quench Ale from Dogfish Head. Uh, the birds of Dogfish Head are known for their love of experimentation. This time they've combined three t- traditional German styles to create one monstrously refreshing beer, mixing aspects of Kolsch, Berliner Weiss, and Gosa-style beers, and the flavor of black lime, lemon peel, sea salt, yeah, Dogfish Head Sea Quench, Sea Quench, 
Sea quench sea quench ale. Keep the experimental tradition. Yeah. Um, Dogfish head forms the head. <laughs> I've never heard of black lime. I did not know that was a thing. It's in the aisle next to blood oranges, I guess. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, I want to try it. I like lime a lot. Um, this sounds really interesting. Uh, yeah, I want to try it. I don't want to buy a six-pack in order to try it. No. Uh, quench your thirst for something new and unlock a brand new badge. Check into one sequench ale from Dogfish Head between August 7th and September 7th. Short time yeah. uh, to earn cool. the badge. The clock is ticking. And the next one is the USA Lager from Yingling. And this is oh, a... yeah. This is our competitive spirit for the Olympics. Uh, the... Oh, no. I just saw the date. Oh, yeah. It's creeping up quick. You could still pull it off. Uh, the battle for gold is on as the games get underway in Rio. And what better way to celebrate USA's gold medal wins than with the traditional American lager from America's oldest brewery? Yingling traditional lager is famous for its rich amber color and medium-bodied flavor, giving you a taste of true USA lager. If you're able to still come USA. up next Saturday, Bob, uh, it actually will work out. We can get get some then. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was just checking USA. the calendar. <laughs> USA! USA! <laughs> Join Yingling and cheering on America's team by unlocking the all-new hashtag USA Logger badge. Simply check into one Yingling traditional logger between August 5th and August 21st, and it's all yours. So as of recording, yeah, you've got eight days. Jeez. Yeah, Time's a ticking. As of release, you'll have, what, four or five? <laughs> or less. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we'll move on to the last badge here, and it's one we already may have gotten. Um, <laughs> this is the Summer is for Blonde from Guinness. Summer's going strong and keeping cool in a priority. Uh, keeping cool is a priority. One of the best ways to beat the heat is with a crisp, cold Guinness Blonde American Lager. They're doing a lot of badges for this one beer. Am I wrong they in this? They really want you to drink it. I feel like that it's... It's because their Nitro IPA, or Nitro garbage? series, really, in general, was such garbage. No. Well, I don't know about the whole series. Guinness is a nitro beer. Yeah, Guinness is fine. It's well, okay, not it's, the ri- it's just fine. You know what I mean? Like the the newer ones that they came out with were like, eh. yeah, the nitro IPA was a, it, it's awful. It's just awful. I, I as an IPA, it's just awful. As a beer, it's just sort of there. That's that's my answer yeah. for that one. The American Lager, I don't know if I've actually gotten around to having it. I know one of our friends has has it, and he's just like, I mean. It's just an American lager. It yeah, tastes pretty good. It's fine. It's fine. Like, that's my, my general review of Nothing the wrong with lager. It. If fine. I'm out somewhere and they've got it and I don't see anything that's, like, blowing my mind, I'll be fine getting it. Yeah. Um, to get the badge, simply check into one Guinness Blonde American lager between August 5th and September 5th, and it's all yours. Woohoo! So I just tried to look up that sequence, and it was like, no. There's, <laughs> there's none near us at all. Yeah, there is. They've got it. Either the, well, then their website's like messed up. They have tons of it at Party Source. That's so weird. Like it's not coming up with anything. Um, also, important note: it's not at all. Uh, Yacht Rock. I found examples. <laughs> <laughs> There's an IGN right. article from like a good minute ago, but it's uh, 
it's a top 10 list of, of top 10 yacht rock songs of all time. If this right. tells you hit anything. Me the, hit me with the top like three. Yeah. So at number one is Christopher Cross's Sailing. Oh, see, that's. Uh, number okay. two is Steely Dan. Number three is the yeah. Doobie Brothers, What a Fool Believes. And number four is uh, Hollow Notes, Kiss on My List. Because, yeah. Never mind. I broke into a different song that wasn't my kiss. So, yeah. Uh, Just had to get that out of okay. the way. Uh, Christopher Cross, if I was thinking of somebody that was going to be Yacht Rock, that one that one makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, the... These are important things. I'm surprised, yeah. no, I'm surprised no Captain Morgan sailing, <laughs> sailing around. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything else before we start moving into the topic? I think it's just straight on to the topic. Third beer to the right, straight on till morning. Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Been <laughs> <laughs> up that truck. Been up that truck. Not that drunk! Not that I couldn't even hear what he was doing. Uh, Alright, so, as with all good uh, mythology discussions, let's start with a chemical analysis. (laughs) (laughs) Now, chemical analysis of jars in a Neolithic village in Jiahu? Jiahu. I guess, in the Henan province of northern China, reveals traces of alcohol that were absorbed and preserved, I'm assuming, in pottery. Yeah. Uh, Vessels of some sort. Yeah. Right. According to the study published uh, in the Proceedings of the uh, National Academy of Sciences, chemical analysis of the residue confirms that fermented drinks made of grapes, hawthorn berries, honey, and rice was produced at around uh, 7,660... 1650 BC. Uh, the results of the analysis were published in uh, December 2004. This is approximately the same time they're making barley in uh, uh, barley beer and grape wine uh, in the Middle East. So the thing to think about there is that roughly at the same time in two different parts of the world, people were starting to make make alcohol for the first time. Uh, wine, uh, wine's first appearance is thought to date from 6,000 BC in Georgia. One assumes the one near Russia. <laughs> not it's yes, definitely the country. Not, uh, not the y'all place. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what the the Georgian dialect is. Maybe they have the Slavic equivalent of y'all. Uh, the earliest firm evidence of wine uh, production. Uh, dates back to 5,400 uh, 5, BC in Iran, which I think we mentioned before. Yeah, yeah that does sound familiar, yeah. I think that uh, was back in our introductory episode. Yeah, Somewhere in the first two or three. We brought that up, yeah. Uh, coming full circle now, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, the next one will be, or it won't be the next one, will be the one after that. Oh, God. What have I done? <laughs> uh but no, uh, evidence of alcoholic beverages has also been found dating from 3,150 B.C. in ancient Egypt, 3,000 B.C. in Babylon, and 2,000 B.C. in pre-Hispanic Mexico, and then also in uh, 1,500 B.C. in the Sudan. We were talking about this in the pre-show, and it is, it's crazy how at almost the exact same time so many things were discovered all across the world by different people. 
relatively historically speaking, not yes. like not like you know one day some guy finds it out and the the, the following day someone else does. But you know, people were 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 I guess you know coming across these you know these inventions at the same time. You know, there's no crossover between Mexico and the Sudan, yeah. for example. But mm-hmm. 500 years difference, and they're still. You know they're they're coming up with alcoholic beverages. Yeah, uh, you saw it with alcoholic beverages. You saw it with uh, something as simple as the invent of pottery and the invent of agriculture. These all come from the same. There's like three or four different locales throughout the world that right around the same time all popped up, and it's crazy how this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's the medicinal use of alcohol, and it was mentioned mentioned in Sumerian and Egyptian texts from around 2100 BC. Even the Hebrew Bible recommends giving alcoholic drinks to those who are dying or depressed uh, so they can forget their misery. <laughs> Apparently that's Proverbs 31, six, uh, verses 6 through 7. I don't think that's a direct translation. but very direct. Not, I want but... it to be. <laughs> I support this. You want it to be inside of the Bible that says the Hebrew Bible recommends giving. <laughs> As if it's uh, a recipe. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Wine was consumed in classical Greece at breakfast or at the symposia in the first century BC. Uh, it was the part. Uh, it was the part of the diet of most Roman citizens. Although they generally drank a diluted wine, uh, it was varying from one part wine to one part water, or even to one part wine, four parts water. Wow. Well, they had they would be drinking wine all day. Yeah. Like you couldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah. Full undiluted cups. You just needed a little bit to. <laughs> to make something, to kill, something to kill the germs in the water that was probably there. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you have in the Middle Ages in Europe, uh, a lot of beer, often at a very low strength, was, uh, was an everyday drink for all classes and ages of people. Um, that document from the time mentions that nuns have an allowance of six pints of ale each day, <laughs> and cider and pomace wine are also widely available, and grape wine was just for the higher crust. Uh, and we've also got records, uh, according, it's according to post-conquest Aztec documents, the consumption of local wine, Poluque? Poluca? I'm oh, not I sure. I have no idea, yeah. Uh, it was generally restricted to religious ceremonies, but was freely allowed to those who were older than 70. Man, that's one high drinking age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gotta be some stout stuff. Yeah, but the natives of South America produced a beer-like beverage from uh, cassava or maize, which had been uh, chewed before fermentation in order to turn starch to sugar. I will never drink something like that. That's, <laughs> that's I'm about to throw up just, just reading that sentence. It's not like they had a whole bunch of people just chewing it up and spitting it no, out they before. Did. That's what it. That's what it is in my brain, and I will not be able to. It was people brewing for a single household. And it would be like your dad doing it, and then the I don't drink after people. my dad. <laughs> what makes you think I'm going to drink something he chewed up first? <laughs> All no. right, fair enough. Uh, beverages of this kind are known today as uh, calcum or chicha, chicha. I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm not having it. Get ready for a lot of that this episode. Yeah. Uh, and the chewing a- technique was also used in uh, ancient Japan to make sake from rice. They don't do that anymore. And uh, other starchy crops. Uh, anyway, as a result of all of this, 
uh, alcohol is a part of daily life and cultures around the world. So as a result, it found its way into the religions of the world as well. And people from all over associated some deity uh, with the with spirits and with fertility. Some were filled with revelry and fun, and others can manifest a bit of the darker side. But all cultures knew the importance of drinking. I just want to point out, a lot of that came directly from the wiki page, because it was so... Like, there was a lot of good information there. Um, and those links are going to be in the show notes. So Yeah. But, but let's talk about some of these specific gods that we've run across. Yeah, so now we're, now we're getting into some pantheon business here. So the first one is probably one that... If you haven't, if you don't know exactly who he is, you had to have heard the name at some point. It's probably he's probably the most known, I guess. Um, uh, the, one of his names is the base for a lot of words for like raging parties. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, so Dionysus, otherwise known as Bacchus, uh, is a Greek god. We'll say Greek god. It kind of bounced back and forth. Um, well, Dionysus is the name is his name typically in Greece, and Bacchus is the name in Rome. In Rome, right? I was it's say, usually the easy way to divide that. Yeah, there's the back and forth all the time with all of them. Thank God he had some of these good gods. All we got are these <laughs> crap gods. Jeff, the god of biscuits, <laughs> Simon, the god of hairdos. Oh, every time. Um, so yeah, so Dionysus was the god of grape harvest, winemaking, and wine, of ritual madness and ecstasy. So, uh, so yeah. just kind of a wi- it's kind of a wide bag. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, he was later considered a patron of the arts. Dionysus is the son of Zeus and Semele. Uh He was one of the most important gods of everyday life and became associated with the idea that under the influence of wine, one could feel possessed by a greater power. I mean, I do know when I'm drunk, I occasionally think, you know, I can do a thousand chin-ups. <laughs> Indeed. And do like five, and then go, oh god, I pulled something, I'm gonna die. <laughs> um, so on the one hand, uh, he brings together joy and ecstasy, and on the other hand, chaos and misery, reflecting both sides of wine's nature. He was mm-hmm. a god who underst- or who stood for the untamed nature of life. He wandered the world actively, encouraging his cult. Maenads, women who had been driven mad, flush with wine and known for their cries of oi accompanied him <laughs> they were soccer hooligans yeah, no really. no you know what it's getting at. running around going like oi 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 yeah do you not remember that uh what's her name and true blood was mean ad yeah yeah oh i know yeah that makes, that's what it makes me two? think of. see what it reminds me of uh if you're unfamiliar with the story of uh uh what's his name went down to hell orpheus orpheus yeah after he failed to do that, uh, he was killed by maenads. Like they just ripped him apart. Well, yeah, because they yeah they literally tore him apart. Um, to me, it reminds me of the Xena episode, <laughs> in which she and Gabrielle had to go save Orpheus. Were they all yelling "oi oi oi" while he, she was going? I'm I'm not saying that that didn't happen once, but. <laughs> <laughs> they they showed the Bacchae, which were the followers of Bacchus, as like more like a vampire, which I could see kind of because vampires kind of have that that story too, so it kind of makes sense. Um, I, th- I think Sam Raimi just really likes campy things. And oh, do vampires. it was. I God, I love that show. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, festival is called Dionysia, I want to say, were held in his honor in the spring when leaves started to reappear on the vine. <laughs> and Greek theater was institutionalized there. The name in Roman, I don't know if it's the, the same thing as like that festival, but in Roman uh, or in Latin, and the word that translates down is uh, bacchanal for a big oh yeah yeah okay. drunken to do. I wonder why so. I didn't list that here. Um, mm. I've heard Dionysia before too, though. But yeah, yeah. so crazy stuff. Um, just kind of known for all the like big, crazy, ridiculous parties. Um, next, in a very similar fashion, the Roman god uh, Liber. So Liber also meaning the free one. <laughs> Um, also known as Liber Pater, the free father, was a god of viticulture and wine, fertility and freedom. He was a patron deity of Rome's plebeians. His festival of Liberalia? Question mark? Liberia, I think. Liberalia. Yeah. Oh, Liberalia makes sense. Okay. Uh, It became associated with free speech and the rights attached to coming of age. Young men celebrated their coming of age by cutting off and dedicating their first beards to their household's (laughs) guardian deities. And if citizens wore their first toga virilis, the manly toga. (laughs) Liber also personified male procreative power. His temples held the image of the phallus. His cult and functions were increasingly associated with Bacchus and his Greek equivalent Dionysus, who mythologies... Uh, whose mythologies he came to share. This is also known as Biggus Dickus. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, you don't hear um, as much about Liber as you do Bacchus, you know? Right, but his name comes down to mean... Uh, his name comes down for the word uh, libations. So I was getting ready to yeah, say. Yeah. Like, so, Which, yeah, no... The one big thing, I think, left from that. I mean, well, yeah. I'm sure there's another big thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a penis joke. Really? Oh, I thought we were talking about togas. No. No, no. <laughs> All right. Um, moving to my little spiel here. Let's let's see if I can go ahead and say this one. Come on, it's not that hard. Mbaba Moana Warsaw. Yeah, Mbaba Moana Warsaw. It's a Zulu goddess out of South it's Africa. It's one Warisa? 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 But Mbaba Moana Warisa is a fertility goddess of the Zulu religion. Uh, she's a goddess of the rainbow. She's goddess of the rainbow, agriculture, rain, and beer. I mean, those are all good things. Yeah, that all makes sense together, sure. <laughs> uh, she's one of the most beloved goddesses of Southern Africa, largely because she is credited with the invention of beer. going to make you popular. Yeah. She could not find a suitable husband in heaven, so she came to look on Earth. So she's the Zeus. Of the Zulu. Yeah. Well, I, it doesn't say that she she came down and took several husbands. Yeah. She just says she came across a herdsman named Thandewa. Thandewa. Thandewa sounds right. That, that sounds. I, I have no idea. Uh, whose song moved her so much that she chose him to be her companion. I don't That's know. Cool. Well, yeah, it's she's not the same as. Yeah. No, <laughs> Zeus just came down and was like. No, I need to get me some strange. Yeah. And I need to do it disguised as several different animals. Yeah. Well, you know, they tried to run. So he had to, <laughs> I, he had to rape them as an animal. No, he did one of them as a goose. Like, what the crap? 
I mean... Going back to this a little bit, I don't think I know anything about the beer history in Africa. Like, I know in the least. parts of Africa have a weird, like, bee-filled honey beer, I think. I know huh. South Africa specifically does have uh, a couple of craft breweries. Now, there is one that is growing in popularity. Huh. Uh, I think that would be interesting to learn about. Yeah. No. It uh, would, wouldn't it? it <laughs> the the like we, we were joking about how hard the name is to pronounce. It looks weird, but actually when I look at it, I was like, man, it's not that bad. Not compared know, to some of the know, other ones. I want to know more about this goddess. Or maybe that's all there is to know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to look into that for a later episode. Um, but moving on, we have Ninkasi. Sure. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm not Sumerian, so I can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Sumerian god or deity. Uh, Ninkasi is the Sumerian goddess of brewing and beer, and head brewer to the gods. So yeah. Her name means the, the lady who fills the mouth, and uh, her birth was yeah, formed of sparkling fresh water. The Sumerian written language and associated clay tablets are among the earliest human writings. Among these is a poem with the English title "A Hymn to Ninkasi." The poem is an effect is in effect a recipe for the making of beer. Early brewers were primarily women, mostly because it was deemed a woman's job. So, yeah. Hear that, Brittany? Hmm. Yeah, I'll get on that. Samaria. <laughs> You'd be brewing beer. And sucking Maybe. at it. <laughs> I mean, you don't know. Have you ever tried to brew beer now? No, not at all. Yeah, so that's got to be like one of the, the oldest known examples of of a beer god. Yeah. Uh, also on the list, I had to look up the country of origin. Well, it's yeah, because this is uh, Ogonu, Ogon, Ogon. I don't know. How would you pronounce that? Ogun. Sure. Let's go with Ogun. I don't know. Uh, of the Yoruba uh, religion. If you're unfamiliar, the Yoruba religion apparently is primarily in Nigeria. I had never heard of this religion before, let alone neither yeah. have I. Uh, let alone this uh, this god. Yeah. But he is an uh, in the Yoruba religion, Orgun is a Orisha deity and a Loa or spirit who presides over iron hunting, politics, and war. He's the patron of smiths and is usually displayed uh, with a number of attributes. A machete. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm, machete. I'm thinking of a uh, thinking of a weird <laughs> joke. Uh, a machete, a uh, rum, and tobacco. Jobu. He, he's not Jobu. He is Jobu. This is not major leagues. I'm pretty sure he does not, not make wise. the bat less def, less af, uh, afraid of curveballs. <laughs> now why take Jobu's rum? <laughs> Oh God, I love Major League. Um, now, uh, Orgun comes to mount people in various aspects of his character. That's an unfortunate. Noticing a theme clause. here, uh, and the people who venerate him are quite familiar with each of them. 
his possessions can be sometimes violent. Those mounted by him are known to wash their hands in flaming rum without suffering from it later. Uh, they dress up in green and black, wave a saber or a machete, uh, ma- uh, chew a cigar, and demand rum in an old phrase, Gren Mue Fret. My testicles are cold! cold. <laughs> I somehow missed that line when I read through this the first time. <laughs> so just remember, if Gren you ever Mwefret. come across somebody dressed in green... Chewing a cigar, demanding rum, and claiming that their testicles are cold. They are a follower of Open. Um, often this rum is first poured on the ground, then lit, and then finally the fumes generated by this are allowed to pervade the peristyle, the sword, or much more commonly the machete, uh, in his hand. Uh, is his weapon, and he often does strange feats of poking himself with it, or even sticking the handle in the ground and then mounting the blade without piercing his skin. Wow. Uh, Very bad. Yeah. So he doesn't screw around. This is weird. Um, Not to say their religion is weird, just I've never encountered it before, so there's just a whole lot of strange there. I, I... (laughs) <laughs> the act of pouring some rum on the ground first and then lighting on fire, though, is fun. Just, no, burn that. It's one for your homies. not good enough. It's one for your dead homies. <laughs> some for your Yoruba homies. Uh, next to the list, Radagast. The brown? No, the Slavic god. Oh. Uh, I wonder if it's actually animals. said in Russian. It can't be the same thing. Um, maybe. Uh, Radagast is an old Slavic uh, is an old god of Slavic mythology, and his name can be etymologized as meaning something like "dear guest." <laughs> he was proclaimed as the Slavic god of hospitality, and has and as such entered the hypothetical reconstructive Slavic, Slavic pantheon of modern days. Um, huh. Not a whole lot about alcohol in that one, but. Uh, the only other, uh, the only other Slavic god I can think of is uh, Chernobog. Mm, uh, yeah, which is the bad guy in that Fantasia bit. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, not a good one. Okay. Uh, well, and the thing with so uh, many thankfully, of these... Radagast. Apparently, there's there's some good Slavic gods. Yeah. I, I, when I think of Slavs, I'm just like, man. Unless you're Russian, it's got to be depressing. And even if you are Russian, it's cold and depressing. Yeah. Well, and the thing with any of these deities from the pan- any pantheon, really, um, they could have been known for one thing, and then so many, uh, especially when they can they move into um, like more modern years. So you've got like you know the neo paganism movement and stuff. The 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 roles shift or maybe don't mean the same as they used to. So some of the um, better known origins have shifted slightly just from what people may have found or initially. Um, that just so that just tends to happen. Like you'll see like five things listed for some of these deities, especially the more um, m- well-known ones. With him not mentioning alcohol as all, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move to some Baltic gods that uh, I'm going to attempt. <laughs> Rautin. 
Yes. And Ragupatis? That one's probably right about the second one. Yeah. Baltic I'm... god and goddess. Um, god is known to be the god of fermentation, and the goddess, uh, his partner, she is known to be the goddess of beer. Well, they work well together. <laughs> it's a match made in beer heaven. <laughs> Just if I was to go off a of Finnish pronunciation, which wouldn't make a ton of sense, but I would say Raugutiene. Raugutiene at Uragoputas. Tiene. Raugutiene. Yeah, I can't even do that one. Yeah. Okay. And the next one, Salinas. Another Greek god. Greeks had multiple gods. The Greeks really liked wine, you guys. I don't know if you know. Salinas was a companion and tutor to the wine god Dionysus. Oh, there you go. He was the old rustic god of the dance of the wine press. His name being derived from the words CO to move, to, and fro, and the linos, the wine through. The wine his, trough. A trough. Oh, yeah, trough. So he's literally, like, his name is even to stomp grapes. I was going to say, is he the I Love Lucy episode where she, she stomps grapes in Italy? <laughs> yeah. Essentially. He was also the god of drunkenness who rode in the train of Dionysus seated on the back of a donkey. I bet that party train <laughs> had no brakes. There were the brakes. There were none. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, there was a thing I meant to mention back in Dionysus, and I'm just remembering it now. Uh, some versions of the the myth of Dionysus uh, have him as a more or less regular mortal, or you know, partially divine, I guess, if he's you know the the son of Zeus. Right. Uh, but eventually makes his way uh, into being canonized. Uh, uh, in a similar way that some cults tried to canonize Alexander the Great after he died. Mm. So, uh, it's a weird thing I picked up in some history books I've been reading li- recently. All right. uh, but yeah, uh, next up, we have Soma from the Hindu religion. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, Brave New World, you may th- remember the, the sort of super drug Soma. Soma, an ancient Hindu god, is many things. The afterworld, the moon, inspiration, and the god of poets and a bull. Sure. Uh, not only does he enjoy drugs, <laughs> he, is, he is a particular drug, the Soma plant, more commonly known more commonly as Ephedera vulgaris. Uh, <laughs> sorry, now I'm just trying to picture someone... Like handing off a coin, going. Ephedra Mugalas. Ephedra Mugalas. For millennia, Hindu warriors have drunk concoction derived from the soma plant. This drink was said to give them a sense of euphoria and ecstasy, and help warriors get over their fear of anxiety uh, of an upcoming battle. As a drug, the god soma represented a link between the world of gods and this world. Soma is the name of... Oh, and then they, this also mentions that it's the name of the fictional drug in Aldous Huxley's 1932 novel, oh. Breaking the World. Ah. Well, right the reference I was making at the start. <laughs> Thank you, article. <laughs> Thank you, article, for trying to be smarter than me. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> um, next we have... Uh, 
Sicilis? Sure. Uh, the, the, it's a Celtic god. In the ancient Celtic religion, Sicilis or Sicilos was uh, the god of agriculture, forest, and alcoholic drinks of the Gauls. Yeah. Uh, also part of the Lith- uh, <laughs> Lus- Lusitanian mythology. He is usually portrayed as a middle-aged, bearded man with lo- with a long-handed hammer, or perhaps a beer barrel suspended from a pole. I mean, I just pictured I... um, uh, what is it? Uh, Taran? No, not Taran. Uh, Chen Stormstout. Oh, from <laughs> oh yeah, with the the yeah, he gets to ca- carry his uh, his keg around. Yep. If I had a beer barrel on a pole. <laughs> I'd hammer in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'd be hammered in the morning. You you would be hammered in the morning. Um, okay, let's try and move into an Aztec <laughs> god. Um, Man, there are a lot of syllables in Aztec <laughs> god names. I mean, you've right. got Quetzalcoatl. That's already hard enough to pronounce. How bad vowels. is this one? A lot of vowels. Um, Tezcatl... Tezcatzon Tecati. Tezcatzon Exactly what they said. <laughs> uh, in Aztec mythology, Tezcatzon is the god of pilque, a drunkenness and fertility. That's the uh, thing we mentioned earlier, that uh, you had to be in the priesthood or over 70 to drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty uh, pretty intense. It's like the joke from uh, Futurama with the ultra porn. <laughs> Even I'm not old enough to watch ultra porn. It was uh, what was it? They start going back. They're like the de aging, and the professor. Oh yeah, and he's, he's like, like oh, in his fifties. Oh no, I'm not old enough to rent ultra porn. <laughs> so uh, the pulque is a milky, slightly foamy, and somewhat vicious. Beverage made by fermenting, not distilling, the fresh sap of types of mogway, and it, it basically compares it to tequila. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> tequila beer. Some, I mean, uh, intense stuff there. What else would you expect? And if you're keeping track at home, number 12 on our deities is Yasiji, African. Uh, this African goddess of beer was depicted as the ultimate party girl, a female deity depicted with ample breasts, a beer ladle, and a penchant for lustful dance. <laughs> All right, then. I can never say penchant without like picturing like someone being super pretentious going, and a penchant for lustful dance. Penchant. Nice. All right. A lot of African ones in here. That's, what is that, like two, three? Well, it's because it's an entire continent. And we're not sure which part of the continent. Vast cultures, this. yeah. Yeah, there's the the uh, what's the the famous tribe that I can usually remember. Oh God, I... Ashanti, I think. Is that something close to that? Uh, it's the name of a goddess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I know which yeah, one you're thinking of, though. It's like the one that everybody kind of like. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and then there are some some other tribes that some of the larger tribes try to murder. Yeah. Right. That sort of thing. Man, Africa is depressing. <laughs> uh, not as depressing, hopefully. Uh, the, the last two on the list here. We have uh, the Chinese god Yiti, I'm going to say, said to have created the first rice wine. 
Not much is known about E.T., but it is said that he brewed the concoction for an emperor and made, uh, maybe used grapes as well as rice. So, potentially the god inventor of sake? I don't know. So potentially well, a yeti invented sake. No, he's not a yeti. Uh, <laughs> oh. Trust me, Tibet does not want the abominable <laughs> snowman confused with anything related to Chinese. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I think just the idea is that, that he created rice, rice, <laughs> rice wine, uh, but may have also used grapes because grapes are a lot easier to turn into wine than rice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Rice wine requires a number of fermentations and uh, the adding of stuff to actually make it ferment because rice won't do it by itself. Right. Fun. Um and of course, the last one, which I had to go manually add to the list. Uh, really? You don't say. And you, we didn't have to <laughs> arrange the list in such a way that where you were guaranteed to be the one to be reading it? Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the Finnish god, Pekko. He is an ancient Estonian and Finnish god of crops, especially barley and brewing. So, real quick, I'm now picturing... The cover of uh, cover of the journey with T two T two, and that is now how I'm picturing Pecco. That's fair. He is now he is now the uh, the god of brewing. Okay, he's now the god of brewing and uh, uh, a ruiner of the podcast awards. Right, right. Continue. <laughs> All right. Uh, in Finland, uh, Pecco is known as Pedlin Pecco or Pekko of the Field. He's the protector of fields and brewer of the beer. First mentioned by Bishop Agricola in 1551 as the god of the Karelians. Wait, Agricola? Because now I'm just thinking of Africola. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that video? No. Oh my god, okay, after the show, I'm going to look up Africola. You have to see this perf- perfectly reasonable video. Mm-hmm. Okay, that leads me scared to think now, it is yeah. not... <laughs> Alright, um, Peko is sometimes associated with Estonian Pikne, uh, Baltic Perkunas, or even the Christian St. Peter. In the area of Setuma, between Estonia and Russia, inhabited by the Seto language speaking Setos, the cult of Peko was alive until the 20th century. Today, the Seto pe- people, an ethnic group of Estonians. All that is starting to, starting to get to you. The Seto Pepo. <laughs> well, it's it's not even all finished, which is the, the trippy part. Um, the Seto people, an ethnic group of Estonians in the southeast of the country, also revere Peko as their national hero and king. The name and figure are widely used as a national symbol. And I'm sure I'm saying the name. It's, it's actually like a more of an A sound, I think. But yeah. Peko. 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 And actually, Corpacani has a, a song no, sorry, after I'm him. I'm hungry. I just want tacos. <laughs> Mm. Tacos. So Corpo right. has a very pretty instrumental song at, um, called Pelin Peco, and it, that we had we played at our wedding reception. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm also remembering the fact that you would not let uh, you would not let us try to play uh, the Reigns of Castamere at your wedding. Yeah, I I tried to push connotations. For that one. It was not. <laughs> we played I mean, the Bear content- and the Maiden Fair for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was cool. I'm just saying that if if the reigns of Castamere had come on, I just wanted to see the reaction from like a certain segment of the the audience to go, 
Start, oh, no. looking Start backing out of the room. Oh no! <laughs> no! No! <laughs> Run! Okay, I think that wraps up this chunk of beer gods. I will. I will say if anyone ha- knows the correct pronunciation of literally any of those, please write in and Find just be a like, way to communicate it to us. To where when we read the email, we don't look at that and go, "Yeah, I don't know what you yeah, just did." Some some phonetic, you know, spellings of things. Record your uh, yeah uh, your thing and then send it to us so we can hear it. Yeah, either or way, make Google say it to us. <laughs> Something because um, we know it. very well that we butchered. Most of those. I would, or well, if you or good to know any of your own gods. Yeah, if you want to add some to the list, that'd be great. I found I I looked through a bunch of lists, and that was the only one that really had a good a good variety. So the, the way I worded that makes me think we're going to get some emails that just has someone saying like, "Oh yeah, how about uh, Jimmy, the god of uh, god of Coronas?" <laughs> it's like who who's that? Oh, just some dude I knew. But man, could he drink Corona? <laughs> Indeed. So, all right. So, we want to get into what we're drinking? Yes. Yeah, sure. I just grabbed a new one. Drink with me, friend. All right. I just finished mine. Um, it it was good. Uh, I did give it a 3.25, but it was just good. Like, it, it didn't well, blow me away. Mm, it is okay. called Toaster Pastry. <laughs> From Twenty First Amendment Brewing in San Francisco, it is there. What if? What if? I was going to say, what if it was a toaster strudel, as opposed to a toaster pastry? It'd probably be too IPA. sweet. Well, yeah, too if it was sweet. an IPA, probably be fine. But otherwise, it'd be too sweet for me to drink. Um, even though mm. I love me some toaster strudel. Uh, so the like, I got so excited by the name because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a pop tart in beer form. Um, they list it as an India style red ale, even though beer, um, rape beer has it as an IPA. Um, I mean, it's, it's basically an IPA in reality. Uh, it does have the red coloring though. Uh, it's 7.6% ABV, 74 IBUs. The rape beer score is 95. That's pretty high. Yeah. But after having it, I don't think that's totally. What would you give it on a scale of 100? I'd say seventy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like it's a, not a that it's C. bad. It's just it didn't stand out to me at all. So if we're if we're grading this by letter grade, you just gave it a C. Pretty much. Yeah, it's fine. I I, I would definitely drink it again. It's just not going to be my first pick, but it was good. And yeah, I I we I hadn't seen it before, so I had to go after it. Um, I I will say I remember you remarking how much it tasted like a. Like a a, a un... unfrosted pop a strawberry pop tart. There's a hint of that at the beginning, but that actually goes away, which is oh. strange. And then you get <laughs> is it disappointing that it went away a little bit. Like you get more, you just get more hoppiness after a while, mm-hmm. and it just kind of, you know, just kind of dies down. So, eh. but it's 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 fine. Okay. Well, what are you drinking? I am drinking, and I'm actually looking up to see if. We have talked. If I have mentioned this beer before, um, I, I, don't I have to I imagine have. you have, at least in. in I don't think I've had it as a what we're drinking. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I'm drinking Dunka Chain from West Six Brewery. Uh, West Six, literally, uh, probably about four or five blocks from 
where I live. Uh, it's their uh, Martin. It's that time of year. It's it's Oktoberfest time, and boy was it like I'm going through just the create your own six pack literally minutes before the episode starts. Like I'm in the cold section going, all right, what do we got? What do we got? And it's a whole lot of Oktoberfests. Uh, and I look down and they have a whole six pack of West six Donka chain. It may be one of my favorite things that West six does. Uh, it's, I, I, they don't have it all year round. So it's, it may also have something to do with the fact that it's seasonal. Um, and that it's a Marsden style. I, I love Marsden's. Uh, it's uh, 5.5 ABV. Uh, I couldn't find an IBU on Untapped. But let me see if Rate Beer has anything. Uh, nope. So there are no hops. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't imagine it would be high anyway with that that style of beer. Not a single pellet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Rate Beer gives it a score of. Uh, 42 overall and 69 for the style. 42 seems awfully low for that one. 42 seems low. Like I think it's because I did, I did read through some of the comments and some people were like, basically they're usually just giving it like a, a I don't know what the scale is out of, but like usually they're giving it like a three something. I think it's out of a five point scale. It looks like, but they're, uh, uh, one guy complained that it just tastes just, just kind of watery, and it's it's. I will say it's probably a little weaker than some other, some other Marsins. But there's a lot of ec- extra seasoning in there that you don't normally expect out of out of some of these. Uh, a couple extra spices, I think. Um, they they serve it in their usual cans. Uh, it's they do everything in cans. I don't think they they do anything in bottles. Uh, I've never seen but, anything from theirs in a bottle. Well, okay, correction. The only thing you can get from a bottle from there is a growler. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a pretty solid, solid beer. Um, you know, if you happen to be in the Kentucky area or wherever else they distribute to, give it a shot. Uh, it's, it's like I said, I think it's one of their, their better ones that they make. But uh, I also went a little a little Oktoberfest crazy. There's like three or four other ones in my create your own six pack because there's so many out right now. Oh God. It's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. For a beer. For a beer. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time for, for beer. beer. Right. Chris, what are you drinking? I am about to polish off my coffee. Oki. From Prairie Artisan Ales. It okay. is an Imperial Brown Ale aged in whiskey barrels with coffee added. Okay. Well, you have aged in whiskey barrels, so I'm interested. <laughs> That's what interested me, too. Uh, ABV hits in at 13%, so it's on the Jesus. high side. Yeah, it, it's packing a punch. Did not help with pronouncing a lot of those names. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't help when you're seeing like four of those names show up it's giving me a bit of the dry mouth as well so uh well probably because it tastes like that. there's a cigar in it and, somewhere so yeah there is this i mean it's busy there's a lot going on in this beer uh ibus by the way no one's listing them doesn't say anywhere uh rate beer score of 99 which i'm kind of not getting um like I was saying, it's really busy. 
like you can taste everything that's going on in it, but it doesn't all mesh well together for some reason. Now I've had Imperial Brown Ales with coffee added and barrel aged before, and everything meshed really well together. And it was awesome. This had like a real like a Coke fizz on the head hmm. right after I poured it. Like you could hear it. Like shh, you could hear it. Yeah. yeah. But after that, the head quickly dropped off of it, and then it just tasted kind of flat. Uh, not great head retention then. Head retention was gone, and the flavors, it's really like they just didn't mix. Everything just stood apart on its own and didn't want anything to do with the other flavor. I think it's mm. one of the first darker beers that I've had that I'm just like, no. <laughs> I took a drink and was like, why does it taste like there's a cigar in the bottom of this? I, just, I mean, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, Brittany. <laughs> there is, there really is this, like... It just doesn't taste good There's, like, a to tobacco me. quality. I like brown ales a lot, like, the... I mean, obviously, the, the Founders one probably has been one of the best ones I've had. The the Founders, um... Sumatra. Sumatra yeah. Which I found a single bottle of over the weekend. It's in the fridge, and I'm gonna go drink it right after this. <laughs> so, when you, when you say... When you say tobacco flavor, we're, we're not talking, though, like... Folgers red can coffee. No, no. Um, or, uh, no, Marlboro red cigarettes and Folgers red no, can coffee. No. no, no, we're not talking Pikeville Porter. <laughs> we heard, we're talking like, like it does taste like a cigar, not like a, you know, chewed up or smoked cigar. It just really has this like strong tobacco leaf quality yeah. to it. Just, tobacco leaf. That's like, the best way. And it's like a weird smokiness, but not in a good way. Yeah, yeah like, it, it makes me. It doesn't see, seem terribly interesting, I guess, or terribly inviting. Yeah, say. it makes me question what whiskey barrels they used. Mm. Like, what from whom were the barrels? Like, what was what was the liquor they got? You know, like the most peatiest scotch ever, or no, something like that. It's I don't not know. Even because peaty, smoky scotch flavor is oh, it's usually good. That's different right. from a tobacco. I don't even... Yeah, the tobacco thing, because it just says whiskey, so it's, I'm going to guarantee it's not bourbon barrels. But it's like... Jack Daniels barrels? <laughs> I would almost guess. I mean... I mean... I, I can't even... <laughs> I don't know what it is. It is, is really odd. And this to have a 99... On rate beer, like near perfect score. I mean, different people like different things. Maybe, yeah, maybe, oh, very much. Yeah, I, I would like to try it at some point, just to just to see it. I oh, guess. Yeah. This is the only bottle I'd ever seen of it. That's why I grabbed it. Yeah, and I'm disappointed. It's just that yeah that that particular taste happened to not appeal to either of us. But, I, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Like you're just finishing this off. I'm on my third Donka chain for since we've started since we started this call. Well, like I said, it's kind of flat and almost syrupy. Uh, so yeah. it's letting it. So it's like maybe it'll be better as it warms. No, no, that has not been a thing. I should have chugged it. That's the other yeah, thing. Like it, say, maybe that's one of those things that might be better on draft, and it might be better. Yeah, like in a, in a small like snifter. So you can drink a little bit at a time. Yeah, draft would be a lot better. It would, it would keep it alive a lot longer. Needs that tiny snifter that they had at Hopcap for like the uh, the Prairie Bomb. 
yeah. that, w- that would make sense. But um, and it's interesting that it had such um, that fizz-like head initially because yeah, it tasted really flat when I drank it. So hmm. yeah, it's odd. There could have you know. There's also the chance that there was uh, not to say uh, just, just there's a chance that there was something wrong with your particular batch maybe too. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Oh. Um, I'm not saying don't ever try it. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm sure the next one will be good. I'm just saying, yeah. If I find some, I will try it, and then you will, uh, and then we'll see. We can compare notes. All right. Uh, announcements, as was heard at top of show with our little bit we did. Uh, another quick reminder about Oktoberfest Zinzanati. If you want to come hang out with us in. Cincinnati at America's Oktoberfest. We will be down there Saturday, September 7th. You can come hear me. I don't think it's September 7th. It's the 17th. Yeah. 17th? Oh, 17th. Yes. Uh, you can go around and hear me uh, mutter to myself about the Pennsylvania polka because... Polka, polka, polka. Well, no, because I'm thinking of Groundhog's Day. You know? <laughs> Jesus. And all polka runs together after a while. Another quick tangent. Have you watched Stranger Things yet? No. Oh, no. I don't know if it's necessarily my bag. That's but why he, I'm afraid to try interested. to get started. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm convinced that the town set that they used for that is the is exact same Huxley. one from Groundhog's Day. Is there a giant, uh, giant hole uh, of water and ice? No, but it looks like the, the little city center and square and everything looks identical. Identical. Hmm. So I'm thinking they may have reused it because also, you know, the show is set in 83. Yeah. Uh, but back on topic. Back on topic. Uh, um, other, there, yeah, come meet up with us on the 17th if you're in the area or, you know, feel like coming out to it. It's, it, it is a blast. We'll be there for at least the first half of the day. And then we'll retire back here to do the Merzen Bowl episode. Which will also Erickson be, Bowl. which will also be our one year anniversary. So, yay, one year of the show. <laughs> You're gonna hear me at some point during the Meritson Bowl shout, two Meritsons enter, one Meritson leaves." <laughs> Actually, for the Meritson Bowl, lots of Meritsons are entering. <laughs> Twelve will enter, one will leave. Actually, uh, in the end, none will leave because we'll drink them all. Be in my belly. But one they'll will leave, win. They'll leave when it's processed past my kidneys. <laughs> And uh, another little reminder about uh, the road trip. We are in the process of getting a bottle swap put together in uh, Denver on September Friday, September 2nd. Uh, we already have one person who's down for that bottle swap, and you need to email us and let us know if you want in on that so we know what to bring. Uh, that that same day, uh, Friday, September 7th, we are also planning uh, to go to Great Divide and Epic Brewing. Second. That's what I said, second. You said seventh. You Sorry. said seventh. I meant to say second. On the second, in addition to the bottle swap, you're going to Great Divide. Yes. Great Divide and Epic and, and Epic. Another, uh, other places around. It's not... Where we're going isn't set in stone, but those two we're definitely going to be swinging by. Uh, if you want to come with us, you need to email us, let us know, so we can, you know, arrange it. And I'll be in my apartment saying sadly to myself, Oh, by myself. Sorry. 
<laughs> it's okay. No, I just wanted to make a sad, sad song joke because I, I use that song a lot in my head. But you'll be up as soon as we get back from this. <laughs> so everybody, everything's going to be fine. I'll come up and they're like, hey guys. And like, you're like dragging yourself in through the door. What? I'm so tired. Okay, no. Everyone won't even be able to understand. We get, we'll be getting back like that Sunday into Monday. We get like three days recovery. Then it's Oktoberfest. And, and a by weekend. recovery, you mean like work days, right? Yes. Work days. <laughs> and work days for me are, you know, up at 2 a.m. So, yeah, it's there's no rest in there. It's We're back for three days. Everyone piles up here. And since everyone will be up here drinking heavily for an entire weekend, there's probably going to be a ton of recording going on. Yeah. Yeah, we're like... Uh... A little preview into the future. We'll be doing a Meritson Bowl. We'll be doing a tasting episode. Which will promise to be extremely long. Pack a lunch. Well, we don't, do spe- we don't do short special episodes. We don't do short episodes, period. <laughs> we don't do short... Much this one's short, and it's already going over an hour. Well, that's why we're wrapping it up. Speaking of which, why don't we go ahead and do that? <laughs> All right. Right. Don't call attention to the segue. <laughs> So remember to check us out at haveadrinkshow.com. There you can find each of our respective untapped profiles and the show's social links for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, if you, if nothing else, you can look for Have a Drink Show on those social networks. Uh, tell us your favorite drink, ask us a question, uh, leave some feedback, or get in touch about meetups or bottle swaps. Feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. And as always, we'd like to thank Alan Robinson for the show music and Lynn Peralta for the album art. Uh, You can find links to their stuff on the episode pages on the site. And please remember to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher and please rate us on iTunes. Uh, The links you can find are... Links to subscribe can also be found on the site. All right, so uh, check us out in another couple of weeks for the next episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.